You don't have to look like George Floyd. 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 To understand that what happened to him was wrong. 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 And with that powerful message, we welcome you to Our Line Starts. Liam McHugh alongside Anson Carter, who did a fabulous job putting that video together. Anson, well done. We'll talk about that in just a bit. We are joined today by pro hockey player, L.A. Kings scout, Blake Bolden, and a man who played over 900 games in the NHL and now works at the Blackhawks broadcast, Jamal Mayers. All three of you are part of the newly formed NHL Players Inclusion Committee. Now, this is part of a broader executive inclusion council. There's a players committee. There is a fan inclusion committee. There is a youth inclusion committee. We will talk about all of it in just a second. But first off, it is good to have you on. These are difficult times. These are interesting times. I'm curious, and Blake, we'll start with you. What have the last couple of weeks been like? I'm here in uh, San Diego. There have, and I live pretty close to downtown area. So there have been a lot of protests, a lot of people that are frustrated and are speaking out. Um, and it's been a little tumultuous in the area. Uh, for me personally, I've been digesting and having a lot of conversations with friends and family, teammates. And uh, really, really happy to see what I've been viewing on social media, the support uh, and the outrage. And uh, thank you to Anson for putting that together because that was a really powerful message for all of us to come together. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, yeah no. Anson, go ahead. Anson, how did it come about? Well, it's just I've been sitting around like everyone else, and I was watching that video, Liam, and I was outraged. And it's not like I was surprised what happened, because in the black community, we knew and we've known and we'd heard those stories over and over and over again. But to actually see the video of it really made it hit home even harder. And the fact that officer knew he's being recorded and just looked like, I don't care, nothing's going to happen to me anyways. Like, it really, really struck a nerve with me, and I wanted to say something, and I wanted also to come from the hockey community, and I wanted to include people in there. So, you know, it's, it's tough for people to speak out sometimes in the hockey community because it's not part of the hockey culture, 
and I thought it would be nice for everyone to come together and feel comfortable speaking within the group. And if you could see, and if you've seen the video of all the people that are in there, we've got Clarkson Cup, Isabel Cup champions like Blake. We have Jamal Mayer, Stanley Cup champion. We've got the commissioner. We've got Dom Fair. Like, we have a lot of leaders on and off the ice. And the whole hockey community is well represented. Men, women, black, white. And I even have my kids involved. And I wouldn't ask people to do something that I wouldn't ask my own family to do. But my daughters are 12 and 14. It's important to teach the kids as young age as possible. And I'm so fortunate that Blake and Jammer were able to participate because their voices are very important within the hockey community. As you can tell, being named to this very impressive council of individuals as part of the league. Well, I mean, it's, well, a, it's an inspiration of the good, Jamal. No, I just wanted to say thanks to Anson again to reiterate Blake's point in regard to putting this together. Um, you know, it showed his leadership and his uh, foresight to, to get everyone together. I'm very proud to be a part of that. And it's interesting because originally you asked Liam about my feelings and, you know, I wear different hats, right? I'm a husband. I'm a father of three kids. I work in the game. I played the game a long time. I wear different hats. So I, I spent quite a bit of time just, you know, being upset, being sad about what happened, uh, being disappointed about how, uh, you know, how much progress has not been made. Um, but in, this, in the same light, I've been very encouraged. I'm thankful for social media. It, it's given current players, white players, a voice uh, that they've used in a positive manner. I'm encouraged that players are speaking out and using their platform. Um, and I think that, you know, we are still under a pandemic. And because of that pandemic, I believe people were forced to see it. They, were, they couldn't get away from what actually happened. And they had to do some, you know, self-discovery. They had to do some analysis of how they treat and how they look at things how companies look at things and my hope is that this creates and sparks some real systemic change uh, across all all walks of life yeah i think if you watch the video of what happened to george floyd and you're, you're not sick and you don't have a conscience uh and over the last couple of weeks we've seen demonstrations and protests and they've grown they've grown in size they've grown in passion we've seen them gone They've gone global at this point. Um, and now you have people reflecting. And now it's, the idea is, well, let's take this reflection, let's learn from it, and let's try to make some change. And even if that's in just your small branch, in what you do, if, if it's hockey, how can you affect change? And that's where you guys come in. So let's talk about this inclusion council within the NHL. And Anson, I'll start with you. How did this come about? And if you could just outline the general goal, what you are trying to accomplish within it. Well, you know, Kim Davis spearheaded this. And this wouldn't be possible without the commissioner and Bill Daly being on board. Like, you could have all the ideas you want. If the leadership of the National Hockey League aren't on board, it's not going to happen. And that was one of our biggest frustrations as players in the game for so many years that we felt like the league didn't see or weren't listening to what we were saying. But now that isn't the truth. Like now they understand, they're hearing, they're listening, they want to be progressive. And they put together this committee um, of people that are influential within the game of hockey. Men, women, current players, former players, uh, could be coaches. Uh, everyone has a voice. And everyone's going to have their own ability to communicate within this group. And we're all about changes. We're all about actions. Like you could say all you want. You could protest all you want online. Or you could go to all the marches you want. But what are you going to do to 
really influence change. And that's what this council is going to be about. We're all going to meet and get together, have conversations, and really ask ourselves those hard questions and have those words then become actions. Blake, as those words, it goes from words to actions. What are some of the things, what's the best way of going about this, of, of trying to actually make change that is meaningful? Yeah, I, th I see using our resources and contacts um, to our favor. Uh, I think the hardest challenges with diversifying the sport is just the availability or, you know, getting those individuals who aren't traditional hockey players to be invested in the game and to see what it's like and to learn about it and to love it the way I did when I was a young kid. I think we have to be creative in our conversation and coming up with different ways and ideas to, to kind of just throw that line out and catch the love and excitement of these young individuals. Um, that's what I've been passionate about my entire life is sharing my story to diverse children to say, hey, yeah, I did it, and I was kind of alone when I was when I was your age. But now, look at all look at all these people that have paved the way for you to play this sport. We need you to be a part of our sport because we want to grow, and we want to evolve, and we want to see more color within the NHL and all across the nation. You know, Jamal, we've all touched on the fact that. Uh, Hockey is this sport that often is, it's a wee sport, right? I mean, there have been articles written about how you can't even go into the locker room and have a hockey player respond with me or I to start a sentence. It's always about we. It's always about the team. Um, but we have seen some hockey players. We've seen a bunch of them out on social media putting out some really meaningful messages, right? Jonathan Taves certainly comes to mind. Braden Holtby. Uh, Blake Wheeler has been out there as well. I think a lot of these guys, they put this out there. That's new for them. But I think a lot of them are probably wondering, especially these white players who have come out and they now want to support uh, this movement, what's next? What can they do after being on social media? What would you say to them? For me, I, I try to tell my friends is fix your own house in, that, in the sense of make sure that your friends, your circle of people and friends, you're checking them. And so when there's instances of, uh, offhanded com comments or jokes that really aren't funny, uh, you have to step up and say something. And, and that's the number one point for me, is step up and say something in, in those instance, instances so that that doesn't happen. I also am very encouraged. And you look, when I left the game in 2013, uh, the locker room music changed. These young people, and the game has trended younger and younger, they're different than, than the, the guys and players we grew up and played with and against in our era, in Anton and I's era. And what I mean by that is I think they're, they're more compassionate, they're more forward-thinking, they're more tolerant, they're more accepting of others. And I'm very encouraged that they really do want to make change. And you see all kinds of players coming out and speaking on this. Uh, but for me, Liam, it comes from the first point is to fix – and to stand up and to say something. It doesn't mean you're going to create a confrontation, have a physical confrontation, not that at all. It means don't let silence to me is a problem. And when something's said, you have to step up and say something within your circle and fix your own house. Um, I think it's imperative that players do that and people do that in general. And I think that's a good start. And Jammer, you know, within the NHL locker room, and Blake, I'm sure it's the same thing too in the women's hockey, 
every player is capable of policing themselves. The room polices itself. You're not afraid to say something in the room, so why would you not take that same attitude outside the room? And in typical hockey fashion, fashion jammer, you're afraid to pump your own tires. I would say education and listening is key. Like, talk about the books that you've written as of late. I mean, that's a pretty good place to start for people to learn more and more about having to deal with one another, even though you don't look the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I work with kids in Chicago, and one of the things uh, I did recently was wrote a book called Hockey Is For Me. Uh, a lot of the programs that we do with the Blackhawks start typically in fourth grade. And what we're doing, we're kind of missing the K through third grade. How are we going to excite and, and get the idea that the, the game could be for them? And so I wrote this kid's book, Hockey is for Me, that plays loosely off of my upbringing, uh, it being introduced to the game and learning how to skate, uh, you know, having to overcome obstacles to give kids the idea and put that light bulb in their head that the game could be for them. Um, and so my hope is that kids read this, that it's also, it's not just a book for kids of color. This is a book, this could be a conversation starter for parents, coaches, teachers, and alike to start the conversation about what diversity inclusion looks like. For me, my story happens to be about hockey, but maybe it can be about tennis, volleyball, soccer, but get, to, you know, start talking about what that means and how you can make your environment, your locker room, any environment more inclusive and more diverse. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You know, Blake and, and Jamal and Anson, Blake, you, I know that you touched on the idea of um, there are obstacles to overcome to diversify the sport. Just some basic ones. Um, and the ability to spread the game, I mean, this is obviously a challenge. But once you do get, uh, you know, people of color in at the youth level, I think the idea of making them comfortable in this environment uh, has to happen. And, you know, a number of the complaints, a number of the, you know, the really awful stories you do here in terms of racism often happen at the younger level. Um, and I'm wondering what can be done maybe at the youth level so that players who are in these environments don't early on decide, you know what, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a part of the sport. How can we change that? 
Well, I think it's zero tolerance, Liam. It's the NHL supports USA Hockey. NHL supports Hockey Canada. And everyone has to be lockstep. And I found that you get people's attention when you cut off their water. You take away their finances. You interfere with their money. And if they don't agree with that, hey, you know that funding you guys are looking for? It's no longer going to be there. You know those checks your executives are getting every single week? It's not happening anymore. And then you'll see things change rather quickly with young boys and girls playing the game of hockey. It has to start there. And it's important to see that people could be involved in the game of hockey. You don't have to be an NHL player. Blake played at a very high level in the women's league, winning championships, and she's still involved in the game of hockey as a professional scout. Like, people have to understand there's opportunities within the game, if you love it, to stay involved. You don't have to play on an NHL team. You could be involved in pro hockey, the highest level in an organization, without playing. There's a, there's a place for everyone if you love the game that much. Yeah, Anson, you said everything that I could have even imagined to say. Educating young kids first about the words that they can and can't say in the locker room just as a start on the ice, as a start educating the referees and saying, hey, if this is going on, it is not happening. That kid is out because we want people to be comfortable on the ice, off the ice, in the locker room. We have to change the culture and the environment within our sport. And the one thing I want to point out about this, and I think that answering, and you guys hit it right on the head, it starts with USA Hockey and Hockey Canada, and they have to be intentional about going out and making sure, and, and, I'm, and I know that we're doing enough, we're doing a lot, a lot of different teams are doing a lot of work in the inner cities for underserved communities. I'm talking about the families that can actually afford to play this game, because let's be honest, there are so, socioeconomic uh, barriers to playing the game. I'm saying we have to, as a game, USA Hockey has to be intentional about making sure that the environment is inclusive and welcoming, because why would you ever put your kid in that, in that environment if you don't think they're going to be welcome? And I think it's incumbent upon USA Hockey and Hockey Canada to educate, as you're suggesting, to make sure they have the platforms and they're intentional about going out and making sure families think it's a safe and nurturing environment for their kids. And this old school attitude that it, the sanctity and the, and the beauty and the, and the, of the game that everyone talks about hockey culture has to be willing to change. And until that's willing to change, uh, we have a problem. And for me, I think it's going to be better. The more diverse the game becomes, I think the locker room is going to be more vibrant. You learn from from people's differences you learn about other people you become a better citizen i think i hope that the game that hockey that like anson's saying that the leadership uh within usa hockey is taking notice and is making changes you know to, just to play off your point there about the idea of the locker room becoming more vibrant i mean do you think in some ways as hockey culture shifts does it need to allow for a little bit more individualism Oh, for sure. 100%. I mean, when I broke in the league, you heard nothing but country music playing. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I went to Michigan I'm, State. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. No one did that. And, my, and listen, my parents love country. They're from the Caribbean. They love country music. And I went to state and I became a huge Pearl Jam fan. Playing the National Hockey League, I became a huge Metallica fan. 
And I go back home, my friends in Scarborough, they're like, what the hell are you listening to? <laughs> you know, what, what is this? But it's because I was open to it and I wanted to like listen to what guys were saying. And I said, you know, yes, you're different than me. Let me give this music a chance. Yeah. And yeah Eddie Vedder, I love this stuff. I love Metallica's stuff. But I still love my dancehall reggae music and my hip hop too. Like, don't get it twisted. That's what the sport is all about. That's <laughs> so no, true. It's so funny. Bryce Salvador and I would only be allowed one song. This is in the early 2000s. And we'd have to pick that hip hop song very carefully. But I always would joke because we'd have our team party and I'd look over and I'd see one of our teammates dancing to a song we were playing and I'm Oh, you don't mind this song now, do you? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how you learn. That's how you grow. Blake, um, as this goes along and the NHL reaches out to you specifically and you have a job scouting with the LA Kings and they say, you know, what can we do? What are the steps that we need to take to uh, give women more opportunities in this league and in hockey in general? What would your yeah. advice be? Well, I think the Kings have done a great job with starting that initiative. Um, and I think more doors will continue to open. You see people like Kendall Coyne on TV on a regular basis now. And women are starting to say, hmm, there is room for me in this sport, in this field. I don't just have to be on the Olympic team. I can be a scout. I can be a TV hockey analyst. I can be in the sport in hockey operations. So as Anson made a point earlier is if you love this game, there is room for you and we have to do a better job at opening those doors uh, for everyone coming up. And just as we're diversifying the sport on ice, we can do that in the offices as well. And that, that's important because I remember I told my mom that you're a scout, Blake, and she's like, a woman? Black women? <laughs> yeah. NHL yes. What? Like really? Yeah. So when people keep talking about nothing's really changing with hockey, that's not true. That's not true. Like Jamal Jammer's on TV in Chicago. Like you never saw black former players on television with NBC Sports. I feel like we're a really progressive network, and mm -hmm. you never saw that before. Back when I was growing up watching hockey, I never even thought about being on TV when I was growing up because I never saw anyone that looked like me talking about the game, never mind playing the game. But when you start seeing that, you start understanding and believing that maybe that's a reality. That, that could happen for me. And that's what's important for having people that look different on television or behind the scenes and getting that message out there that people will start believing it when they can start seeing it. You know, this question is for all three of you, but I think whether you're watching uh, sports TV or you're watching the news right now and people start looking for ways to make change uh, at the grassroots level and to start to make a difference, there's always this idea that, well, you have to have real meaningful conversations. And uh, I think that's clearly important. But I'm curious, within hockey, a uh, you know, where it's a keep it in the room mentality often, where uh, a lot of deep, meaningful conversations don't always get sparked. Who starts these conversations? So, you know, if you have guys on teams who are like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in making change, but you know that there are people who are either shy or people who are not uh, big on speaking out. What would you tell them at this point? I, I would say whoever feels comfortable. I mean, 
in the rooms that we've all been in, you have some vocal leaders and you have some quiet leaders and you can't push people that aren't real talkers to, to really say anything. So I, I think that's a start where if you feel comfortable saying something, then say it. And you shouldn't be looked down upon for, for having a voice. Like we should celebrate people using their voice the best of their ability, however it seems fit. I mean, with, with women, Blake, uh, you tell me in the room, I would imagine it's the same exact thing. You'd have people in the room that are raw, raw, raw. And you've got other people in the room that are lead by example. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think what we're really trying to accomplish here is, is setting the stage and having that comfortability within the locker room so that if maybe there is a shy person that has something that's deep within them that they want to get out is, is able to do. As I've said in many interviews leading up to this moment, I think back in the day, I didn't feel as comfortable to say, hey, that was a microaggression and you hurt my feelings because I wasn't really trying to ruffle the feathers and create some team separation, you know? So it would be nice if we were all educated and supportive of one another and everybody's feelings, especially if it's a matter that is positive, that is creating support and helping one another, you know, grow together and evolve. Yeah, Liam, I, I agree with, with all that. I also think that it's, it's just education, right? So a lot of, and Blake mentioned microaggressions, a lot of, your teammates in locker room environment, quite frankly, I lived in a locker room from 20, you know, 17 in college all the way until 38. So I hadn't been around uh, in any other environment. And I think that environment is archaic in some instances, but I think that for the most part, education, uh, educating players on what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and teaching them what microaggressions may or may not be and how they need to change their their habits and what they say and how they act and and jokes that they may or may not say um i think for the most part you're not going to change the extremely bigot the people that are bigots you're not but i think the core of people in the locker room are good people that care that want want to learn and, and become better people i think it's just educating them and i think that once you do that um you'll see the change in their behavior. And I think it'd be a good starting point. And these conversations aren't going to be easy. Uh, I've had a friend in uh, New York city. Um, I had a conversation with her. She runs a big hotel there and she's white. And she said to me, Anson, I'm exhausted. Like I'm exhausted from having these conversations. And I said, listen, you've had only a couple days with these conversations. And she wasn't saying it in a mean way. She was saying she's <laughs> mentally drained. I said, try having these conversations for 46 years. You know, and it's like running a marathon. Training for a marathon, the first time you go out there and run, you're exhausted, you're tired. But once you start building up that endurance, and you do it every single day, it becomes a little bit easier. And this is what these conversations are all about. And it's no different than when a New York Ranger fan says to me, Anson, geez, this is a little bit too heavy for me right now. I come to follow you on social media because I want to learn and talk about sports. Well, look around. What sports are you watching? I mean, COVID-19, there's no sports on TV right now. Yeah. And I don't have that same ability to take the skin off my shoulders, like shoulder pads, and hang it up and say, okay, on to the next. I'm going to go live my life now. Like, this is my reality. And when you think about it that way, 
people start to get exactly what everyone's talking about. It's a, it's a civil liberties thing. It's a social thing. It isn't a sports thing. It's a do the right thing that's important. Now, it's well said. You know, Drop I, the I mic. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it, it's very well said. I think they're not the conversations that you, you wake up immediately and, you know, you're like, all right, we got to have these, like you're excited about, you know that they're important conversations and they're important that they're conversations that my wife and I have started to have with our young children and they're difficult conversations but I have to say uh, I'm happy that we're having this one right now and I'm really glad that uh, Blake, Jamal, Anthony, you guys joined me today and I, I hope that we continue this. I hope that we can, this is just the start of many conversations that uh, we will have on this platform and on other ones but uh, you know, I want to thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do with this council but uh, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Liam. I appreciate it. I want to thank Blake and, and Jammer again. Um, you guys are very instrumental. You're important to the hockey community. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to be a part of this council with you guys, I, I, this committee. Like, I, I can't wait. We should be able to do some pretty amazing things. Yes, Anson. I'm very excited. I can't wait to get things rolling. I agree. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.